Oh, we could put the Sako thing in the intro if we decide on a location now. Oh, is that how we're starting this episode? <laughs> well, I'm scratching my back. We don't know what the episode, uh, the location for the Sako thing is. Yeah, let's choose one. What, in, in front of them? Yes. Welcome to the 119th episode of the Carmudgeon Show. My name is Jason Camisa. This is Derek Tam Scott, and we are part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. No, our show is. And this is part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. Uh, today, we're talking about not our Sako episode, because we still haven't... Uh, Sako car show. Correct. Because we haven't bothered to pick a location. Uh, we um, were talking about handling. Yeah. Cars have it. Some more than others. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's it. We're done. Sure. I, I guess... We'll embarrass ourselves. The... To the, yeah. Thank you. Don't, don't make it awkward. Just because that one was so shitty. Um, okay, Derek. Okay, Jason. Smell this. Something I don't usually say to people. Yeah, I have an older brother. I've learned to never come <laughs> smell this. <laughs> it smells like Griot's um, leather cleaner. <laughs> Actually, yes, but also Meguiar's 40. No, Mother's number 40, which is the interior cleaner. Uh-huh. Um, this is, uh, so the, the folks at Haggerty's um, gear department sent us a vintage leather seats scented candle. Huh. But every time I smell it, and I love it, but every time I smell it, I'm like, number 40? Like, uh-huh. number 40 is my interior detailer that I always use. Uh, uh-huh. It's so funny. It's probably the same active ingredient as Griot's because Griot's smells the same. It says to keep it away from children and pets, especially while burning. Oh, well, do we have a lighter in here? We have no children or pets. I don't know. It's super cool. I think it's a good looking candle. I like that smell. Um, yeah, well, we're going to be smelling lots of it. But don't, I would say as an insurance company, Haggerty probably would recommend against burning it inside of your car. Well, your car should already smell that way. Yes. But smell. sometimes, you know, it needs a little pick me up. Yeah, no, yeah. please do not light this in front. Of, it doesn't say not to light in the car. No, <laughs> no, no. It just says please don't. children and pets. I think it's a standard candle. Please do not light uh, in the presence of a running fuel pump. Yeah. So we have a topic today to discuss, and it's handling. 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 Not handling. handling. Like George Frederick Handel, the Baroque composer. No. If it's before the disco era, I don't understand. Before that. the disco era. Um, disco classical. It's not true. Before Motown. Nothing before. Oh, no. Jazz standards. Mm. How far back can we go in our music catalog? Okay, handling. Um, please define handling because this seems to be a non-universal definition. Yeah, that's a question that I, as, as we discussed, actually we didn't really discuss, we purposely didn't discuss this topic before so that we could have the discussion now. That's us not doing research No, uh, that's allowing us to fight in real time. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think this is going to be like competence versus, um, um obedience competence versus obedience one of them is the car executing your wishes the other one is like how capable is it right you could say some car is really competent but like it's a knife edge car at the limit where you're just like ah we're gonna die or go really fast Mm. like the launch estratos right is that one of the best handling cars of all time it's very fast but it's also terrifying like does that discount it from being one of the best handling cars of all time, or is it just the one, the the most something elsest car of all time? You know, so like, could a mid-engined car be the best handling car of all time if it's like the limit behavior is periodic death backwards <laughs> Carrera GT? Death backwards, yeah. You know, like I would argue maybe Carrera GT is not the best handling car of all time, or couldn't even be considered a, an objectively good handling car if. Or you could just say, I lack talent. That's the other thing you'd say. Like, who is the person who is making the car handle? Is it a very talented, lightning fast reflex professional operator? Or is it some schmuck with a right foot? You know? With a right foot? Well, you know, that's your... your, (laughs) I I thought you were going to expand that. Your intonation said a right foot and a limp. um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I tend... You didn't actually state something. You you asked another question. But I think we are both probably going to be in agreement that handling is not really about capability as much as it is 
does the car follow the intentions of the driver? Uh, and to that point, maybe Carrera GT, which I've not driven at above the limit, um, is really a good handling car. But if the driver asks it to kill them, it does. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yes, don't which know. could be like the 911 thing. And then yeah. the question is like, who is the person who is judging handling this? Is it some person who you know, doesn't have a lot of experience and is just like, I want to go fast point to point in this car on this road, you know, in which case you'd say like something with four wheel drive and, you know, a lot of suspension travel and really grippy tires and, you know, a reasonable blend of compliance and control Mm -hmm. or whatever could be the answer. Uh, But if it's like a Randy Pobst or a, you know, then the answer is maybe different. I always go back to the uh, cover of the Haggerty magazine that uh, this cover story that uh, and a video actually also that that uh, my boss his boss did uh, Larry Webster did a meet your heroes question of was the Corvair actually all that bad handling and will this car kill you um, is this the one that involved the Tatra mm, well yes um, <laughs> somebody did roll a Tatra but this it wasn't part of uh, that video um, that was <laughs> Sam. Sam Smith who rolled the Portatra. Um, and that was, I think, more a tire uh, inflation error than anything else. But <clears throat> uh, the point... It, it, Isn't that what people always say when they hit uh, crowds of people in M4s leaving cars and coffee? Well, what just happened? Like, did I pop the tire? No, but that's a tire, tire temperature issue. No, this one you could clearly see the tire was tucking under. I mean, it was a swing axle car and tire was tucking under. We should have, we'll also have pictures of this, but the tire was t- tucked under so far that it caught the car and, and rolled it. But... Larry did some really stupid shit in that in that Corvair, and it was fine. It did it didn't try to kill him. Now swing axles are such that they do tend to force the car to roll over, and that's part of the problem. But the oversteer that that car was was um, crucified for having actually did not seem to bother Larry at all. Larry's a hell of a driver, um, you know. But I don't think that's the, the widowmaker in any more than a nine eleven is a widowmaker. Which is considered generally to be a Widowmaker. Yeah, but I don't think they are. <laughs> what, I mean, 9-11s? I've never had a 9-11 bite. Mm, almost never have a 9-11 bite me. Um, biting me is code for did something that I didn't ask it to do or pu- punished me for a mistake in yeah. a, in unforgiving Disproportionate way. Yeah. Uh, way. Yes, but and those cars have a bad reputation because... There is a talent issue with the people who own them. You know, 930s have a widow-making reputation, particularly because the engine is so unresponsive Mm -hmm. and in one regime and so responsive in the other regime. Mm -hmm. And if you happen to transition between those two regimes while the car is not pointed straight, then it'll spin. And so people are like, nothing's happening. And they're just jamming, stamping on the throttle while going around a corner and then boost hits. Then you're going to, going to, you know, you're going to go into orbit. Yeah. So yeah, I don't, you know, early 911s maybe can be a little tricky with a shorter wheelbase and worse weight distribution and skinny rear tires. You might have a little more sketchiness with, with an early one. But my experience with those cars is that yeah, they will do what you ask them to do. And if you know you, you request something stupid, it's gonna then do it. you're, you yeah. know, garbage yeah. in, garbage out. So I often have described my Cosworth Mercedes 190 as the best handling sedan I've ever driven, and that it's uh, although I don't think I said it the best handling, it's the best balanced sedan. Yes. So for me overall, I'm not really looking at overall capability. So. When you're talking about, I'm not talking about grip level. I'm talking about what happens when you exceed the grip uh, grip level of the car. In the case of that Causey, uh of the Mercedes, it just doesn't understeer. At any reasonable speed, it's not going to understeer. Um, you get right to the limit of adhesion of the front tires and maybe 1% after, they'll let go 1% or 2% before the back starts to let go. And you can modulate that so easily yes, with throttle. Moving weight forward and aft, that changes the relative grip mm-hmm. of the front and back of the car. And so you can choose your destiny. You choose the, the attitude. handling attitude, right? It's anywhere between a little bit of understeer and full tails out opposite lock stupidity. Um, and that's it's one of the best balanced cars I've ever experienced in a racetrack. It's also 
not the best handling car because you do have to drive around certain things, right? It has a monumental amount of body roll, especially compared to modern sports cars. So it's very softly sprung. There's a lot of most body motions. There's um, also the steering. And the steering is relatively slow. slow. I mean, it's faster than any 30 M3, but it's still relatively slow. That's not slow. a high bar. No. But, you know, and you, you also have an issue, which you wouldn't think necessarily has to do with handling, but does, of the very, very progressive throttle mm -hmm. that does almost nothing until you're at the halfway point. Mercedes has done this historically to allow you to be a smoother driver. With the notable exception of the C43. Yeah. That car is <laughs> calibrated. You put your foot in, you just hit the gas with your toe and it's like, Rah! and yeah. it's like oh, the thing feels very peppy, which yep. is an interesting trick. It's the yeah. same thing that Subaru does oh, to yeah. mask the fact that their cars have no guts. Almost all modern cars do that. But, you know, back in that day, Mercedes did it the opposite way to, to you know, help you be smooth. So the adding power in the measure that you want to can be a little bit tricky. You have to drive around that throttle mm. calibration. You have to drive around some of the body roll. But ultimately, the balance is perfect. And the steering wheel size. Yeah. But um, I'm not looking at, when I say that, like, you know, cars handles well, I'm not talking about pulls 1.27 g on the skid pad because mm -hmm. there have been plenty of cars that have driven that pull a tremendous amount of g on the skid pad including the camera van which we mentioned last week on a michelin pilot all season fours you mean which, next week no last week I last think we week just, oh okay sorry <laughs> some time ago slash in the future i mentioned the fact at that a different time minivan, on a different type of episode the minivan episode. the chrysler minivan that i have on Pilot Sport All Season 4s outgrips the base, not the base, the GT Performance Mustang on its P0s. But does that mean the van handles well? Absolutely not. It's wretched. It's terrible. It falls into hideous understeer. The entire front end goes mushy. The car is just kind of flexing all around. Uh, but it's got the grip. Probably pulls the G or close to it. Um, and so the reason I brought this up and the, I wanted to do an episode on handling is I made a statement while we were in the company of a couple of stunt and race car drivers uh, that created a lot of... Um, Controversy. Discourse. Yeah, discourse. Sure. I said, I've now driven the best handling car I've ever driven in my life, and mm -hmm. it was a Lucid Air Sapphire. Which weighs? As much as a planet. A large, heavy, lead-filled planet. Mm -hmm. 52, 53, 5,400 pounds. Um, and so, okay, let's just have you say that statement again. The 5,000 plus pound Lucid Air Sapphire is the best handling car in the history of the world, period. And I've really thought a lot about saying that because it's quite a statement. It is. But let me define why. Okay. So the Sapphire has two rear electric motors each. So it's three motors total, one on the front axle with an open diff and two on the rear without a diff so each each side has fully independent control over that motor um so you could for example have 600 horsepower on one rear wheel and minus 600 horsepower i.e 600 this horsepower is the rimats trick exactly although they do it with four motors they do it with four motors um, could the rimats unseat the lucid given I, what we know about the folks there and what you experienced with that car. You did not drive that car at the limit. It was in raining. A, and it, was it was raining on a, a leaf-covered yeah, yeah. leaf public road. I, so the reason my, uh, because of that car, I, my actual statement on, I think it was Instagram, was the best handling five-passenger car, four-passenger car, four-door car, whatever. Because yeah. there is the possibility that the Rimats Nevera would outdo this With car. four motors. With four motors. Um, it all comes down to tuning, right? Mm -hmm. NSX, that, the last hybrid NSX had torque vectoring in the front on a mid-engined car, and that should have been the best handling car of all time because there's the recipe. There's everything you need, but uh, which wasn't tuned properly. Um, okay, so Lucid, the regular air, which I've given that ridiculously glowing review to the on the Icons episode, is 1,111 horsepower. That's the limit effectively of the batteries and the motors-ish together. Um, the, each motor can deliver about 600 horsepower and the power the battery can deliver about 1,200 horsepower. So they called it 1111, there it is. This now has three motors that can each deliver 600 horsepower. The battery can't deliver much more than that. It's basically the same. So that's, they, they, but they've rated- Than the 1,200? Than, than the 1111 horsepower car. Yes, okay. So this is 1,234 as it's rated- output 1234 is effectively the limit of the battery and the power electronics but you can take that 1234 and apply it any way you want up to 600 at each wheel 
or rear, rear wheel or 600 to the front. Mm-hmm. Your throttle pedal, your accelerator pedal, is a request for power from the battery, effectively. So think about it that way. You could be requesting zero power, but have a total of 800 horsepower being deployed, for example, because one of those rear motors might be generating 200 horsepower, while the other one is pushing out 600. So you have a net of 400 plus another 400 from the front motor, right? You just don't know. I think I fucked that up, but you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. the total number is what you're requesting, but how it gets that power to the ground is completely up to the power powertrain computers. Uh, And what I experienced in that car is unlike any other car. So when I say it's the best handling, it's because it 100% followed all of the driver's intent. So everything I asked it to do, it did in the measure I asked it to do in it, it in without hesitation and then without biting me when I asked it to do something that maybe I didn't mean to ask it to. So coming around a corner, your the car starts on, on in, as you're turning in in the if you're turning slowly and, and gradually into the slightest little bit of understeer and then stays there permanently. And this is with in track mode with everything on. There's kind of not much you can do sort of on the way into a corner to help the car over rotate and thus have to make a correction. If you're asking it to turn in smoothly, it goes right into the limit at a call it a one or 1.2 out of 10 on the understeer scale. And then your throttle application will start to rotate the car. Um, a little bit with everything turned fully off it goes into a very different mode this isn't just now i'm going to allow wheel spin and slippage it now changes the attitude of the car completely and it's ass first at all times um it's so ass first that it's definitely slower around a racetrack at least with me driving than it would be in track mode because now you're managing the rear the entire time Mm -hmm. but what happened was i did three the the way this was supposed to work i'm sorry for hijacking this whole section of the episode but We'll come back to you. Um, we're supposed to do a warm-up lap behind Ben Collins, the Stig. He was in a grand touring performance, which is 11, 11 horsepower, two motors, and much, much less aggressive tires and suspension calibration. We're supposed to do a warm-up lap behind him around Sonoma Raceway, and then he would do a hot, a hot lap as fast as you could keep up with him. And then a second hot lap where if you flashed him, he would pull over and let you pass because if you thought you'd be able to out drive him and then a cool down lap i made it to turn five which is the carousel on the warm-up lap and he, pa- and he pointed me right by and that's not me i'm not faster than a stig that's the difference in performance and speed between the grand touring performance which is basically the dream that i did the original video on um and this new car it is i was at five tenths and he was sideways scrambling trying to get the fuck out of my way as fast as he could and get his hand out the window in the middle of the slide it was it was pretty impressive by the end of that first corner past that i never saw him again i mean it's that much faster um and so the first lap i did was really still a warm-up and i was in track mode which is you know that little tiny understeer mode and the car so did every single thing that i asked it to do um that i wound up driving effectively 10 tenths around sonoma raceway which has walls you don't do you don't do you don't do i don't i mean i've done laps and i've raced i've won a lemons race at that at that track but you're never really flat out in a couple there's a couple sections where there's just two the cost of making a mistake is so high because there are so many walls and you're going to hit them so quickly yeah um i've seen people medevaced out of there before almost everyone i know who's raced there has been has left in an ambulance or a medevac and has lost a car um and indeed even the lucid guys started out the uh, the the whole safety briefing with uh, it was uh, David Lickfold who's the head of the uh, chassis tuning. He was like, "I've we like to think we know what we're doing. I've written off my personal car here. He's written off his personal car here. She wrote off her personal car here. I mean, he went down the list, and all of the geniuses who tune that chassis have written off their own cars there. And it's just the way that track is. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the end of that first warm up lap, I was sliding to the within an inch of the of the track out." hitting every apex just like a complete, like I was in a hundred horsepower Mazda Miata. It was just spectacular, but the car did everything I wanted, except I wanted to feel what everything was like with it off. So on the front straight, going into my first, what would should have been my first actual hot lap, I turned everything off. Um, and then I proceeded to do a 10 and a half tenths 
slight drifting lap around this track, <laughs> a track that I don't drive Miatas at 10 tenths in because I'm so scared of. It did fucking everything. Anything I wanted it to do. If you tried to get it understeer, it'll understeer. But you got to ask it for. Uh, you got to ask it to do so. Um, and then you got to fight it to stop from going back to neutral because it mm-hmm. wants to be four wheel drift everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and little things like I came in, there's a back straight. We, we did a, the chicane setup. So there's a, a back straight with a 90 right and a 90 left. And I came in, the braking markers were it's ridiculous because the cars get 1200 horsepower. So we're driving it in endurance mode which brings power down to 800 ish whatever the fuck it is and it's still so fast that your brain can't process what the hell's happening um <laughs> and so i'm like breaking marker my ass every time and you know, that markers that they had set up were accurate so i came in for the chicane like 15 miles an hour too fast 15 is a big speed to come in too fast yes um but this is the slowest part of the track it's a 90 right 90 left and there's dirt and i could you know the car's it's not a it's not an open wheel car. You can just go straight over the, the dirt. I thought, eh, whatever. So I'm coming in and I'm under ABS and I realize very quickly, like, whoopsie, didn't didn't knock off enough speed. So I just thought, let me just see what happens. And when a car is under ABS, it's difficult to get them to move and change, right? The ABS will preserve some of the steering, but you're, the available tricks that you have to change the car's attitude are pretty slim, Right, you're gonna just throw the car sideways. You're gonna spin it. You're just gonna upset it in all these different ways. So I said, "What the fuck?" And I Scandi flicked it in. So Scandi even flicked it. Flick a quick left to the uh, quick flick to the left, and then a big right steering input just to see what it would do. And it did a perfect Scandi flick drift, still under ABS, all the way with uh, not full lock, but as much lock as I could give on uh, to the left still under braking and i realized holy shit i'm gonna make the fucking corner but just scr- getting the car sideways scrubbed off that much speed mm-hmm. i'm actually gonna hit the apex and it's not my talent doing this at all so all i did was give it a dab of gas flick it the other way and then said holy shit the car in the middle of an abs slide did a 180 <laughs> And then I turned it into a glorious four-wheel power slide that I was almost full opposite lock to the right coming out of the out of this hairpin with a wall 20 feet to either side of me laughing at the amount of smoke coming off of these tires. No one, you don't do that at Sonoma. That's not supposed to happen. Um, so when I say that this is the best handling car I've ever driven, it's because it did things that are not possible. Superhuman. Right. And when it did it, when I fucked up, it allowed me to unfuck it up by violating the laws of physics because it has the hand of God hovering over it with Torque Factory. So my next question for you is, because it's all computer controlled, does that mean it's not a good handling car? Well, let's see. You asked the car to do something that was based on your desires and the car did it so One it's not another it's not uh it's not nothing it's not based on nothing it's not completely synthetic the experience that you asked for was a thing that every driver hopes that a car would do but no car actually would do yeah. so it's not completely contrived it's not something that's made up out of nothing because hmm. i struggle with this right i mean Okay, all modern cars, all of mo- the best handling modern sophisticated cars have computer interventions that you don't know or feel. The best examples are GM's, what I call the Dynamagic, right? Dyna- dynamic yeah. magic where, for example, on a CTSV or C- uh, ATSV, it was one of the best examples. You'd start it on, on a track and you would add more steering, add more steering, and you'd get to the understeer limit. And you know that you're at the understeer limit because the front tires are singing, but also you are you start to add a little bit more lock and the amount of Turning yaw doesn't, doesn't increase, right? But you add a little bit more steering and all of a sudden the back starts to come around. And you can't do that. Like you're changing the front wheel steering. How the fuck did the back end of the car respond? I don't know how they're doing it. GM admits they do that. They are not going to tell me or anyone else what their special sauce is. Well, it has to be is. something at the back end. Something's going on at the back end. Or with roll stables, the car has magneto, magneto-rheological dampers. So it can change uh, It can change damping at all four corners independently, um, which effectively can change roll stiffness. It can play with the diff by unlocking and unlocking. It can do all these it little can individually break wheels. Yep. And it's happening in the background such that you don't even know it exists, but you know that's not possible, but it mm-hmm. does it anyway. And so I started thinking, I'm like, is there actual a demerit point 
for Lucid or for GM or for any other, Porsche does this too, any other manufacturer. Porsche does plays with engine mounts, yeah. right? You can stiffen up or loosen the engine mounts in, a, in the 991s and 992s, what happens as you're driving to smooth things out and change the attitude of the car. Is it cheating? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you're getting where you're trying to go. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know the answer to that question. It, there is no answer. To the question. I mean, I, do, I personally don't think so because it it didn't, I didn't point a wheel and say, get me there as fast as possible. And it got me around the track. I, it did what I asked it to do, which is even now. Even if what you asked it to do would historically be considered impossible. impossible. Right. But you would also say to someone who is making an internal combustion car, uh, if you had the ability to deploy power to every corner of this car uh, in the measure that you want, independently. Would you, yeah, independently, would you do that? Of course. And every engineer would be like, absolutely, yeah. I would do that. You know, it's it, and that's what most of the things that cars do are aimed at creating one way or another, whether it's a limited slip differential or mm-hmm. traction control or whatever. The fact of the matter is that with an EV, you have a lot more preci- precision mm-hmm. and control and flexibility and leeway to to create that outcome yep. and so an engineer who's designing the car even if you you know you could go back to 1919 and ask the person designing the first bentley ever if you had that ability to do that would you would you check that box and the of engineer course. would be like absolutely yeah. i'm interested yeah so i mean in that sense it's not uh discontinuous or not consistent mm-hmm. with the spirit of you know anything everyone has always been pushing the limits of the technology mm-hmm. given the era hmm. i think Okay. So I would say that those most of those engineers would, if you if you asked of the hairy chestedest of the old school Cobra, you know, pre-war, whatever the fuck, if they could do that, they would be interested. Okay, I'm just curious on your tape. Your take as a 94 year old. I mean, 95 now, whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, the question that this comes back to is what do you, what happens in the real world? How entertained are you? How much of a good time are you having with this car on a B road? You know, just because right. it's the best handling car ever, does that mean it's the most fun or joyful car that you would choose to go on a back road with? Uh, so annoyingly because of traffic conditions, I feel like this chair is sinking, by the way, I keep getting low, <laughs> lower and lower. My, your magneto rheological yeah. shocks. My are... magneto rheological chair is failing and your light is off. So we're just a disaster today. You've got to uh, lamp on. Right, chaos. Um, because of timing of the whole situation, I didn't wound up doing a, um, set of large drifts and donuts and burnouts in the car um and that destroyed the tires so the guys had to change it and by the time they changed it sorry lucid um we hit massive traffic so i was not able to do the back road the donuts were mandatory they could not be avoided the donuts were a request by me could somebody please take my iphone and take one video of me doing this so i can use a freeze frame as the thumbnail for this episode so I went and did one big, huge slide with the sun behind it to backlit the, the sun. And then the smoke. I was, uh, the smoke. And then I was asked to do it again by Lucid mm-hmm. because they're drone enthusiasts. Get it. Well, they're, no, because they're nuts, right? They're one of us, ones of us. But they uh, they asked me to do it and hopped in the car with me. But uh, their drone hadn't gotten it and their professional photographer was still running over going, oh my God, what the hell am I missing? Um, so we got... Uh, some really cool shots of it and i got to destroy four tires in a minute and a half um but anyway there were traffic was such that on the road we couldn't really get a chance to go crazy on it i did have jason fenske from engineering explaining the car with me and with him in the car at a did you hit his head on the b pillar again no i tried but it didn't work um 65 percent state of charge on this. So, you know, like when we do testing on EVs, we always make sure it's over 95% state of charge to start with over 90 for the whole test. The, we precondition the battery. We do everything we can. I had Jason in the car, 65% state of charge, no preconditioning, air conditioning blasting, and it pulled off a 1.98 <laughs> second zero to 60. <laughs> so to answer your question, is the car fun in the real world? No, that's not fun. That's nauseating. And that's the fastest way to get your passenger to punch you in the dick. Um, yeah. But this, what about back roading? I didn't do it, but I did do it on the regular air. And that car has really precise steering, beautiful body control, um, and all of the other things. Communication? That, yeah. Not, From the steering? We're not talking 911 GT3, 997 levels of steering communication, but we are talking um, 
end of the run Jaguar hydraulic steering levels of, of talkativeness. Okay. Um, right. It's not, I'm trying to think who makes the best e-pass at the moment right now. And Lucid's up there. Um, it's up there with GT cars. Um, there's a little bit more slop Meaning in the system. Meaning Porsche GT. Yeah. A little bit more slop in the system. It's a luxury car. It's a little bit more mm. isolated. Um, Can you imagine if they made a car that was in the form factor of a sports car? If Lucid did? Yeah. I can't. I, I can't. I mean, these guys, the guys and girls, that team is, I, I, I almost cried. Like I just, I genuinely got out of the car and walked right over to David and just held up my hand and said, congratulations. Like there's nothing to bitch about. There was a couple things to bitch about, but I told them later once. But it was just such a moment of like, how the hell did you make this car that knows what I want so well that I trust it to fling it sideways, aiming at a wall? And it's your $300,000 car. And there are other journalists here and everyone's going to kill me if I wreck this thing. And whatever. Just didn't even, didn't even cons- I was so comfortable in that car that it didn't even occur to me to woe it down. Didn't have to. Because the car did everything I asked it to do. Mm. Um, and that is so not the case in so many other cars. You're always driving around something. Yeah. So um, philosophical question. Mm-hmm. They knew this would resonate with journalists who can turn a wheel. Does their demographic care? God, I hope so. I mean, look, I was sat with, I had dinner with, with all the Lucid people and I had Peter Rawlinson next to me. Um, who's the CEO and he's just one of us. I mean that, you know, that he's ex Lotus. Everyone is sort of, you know, everyone's resume is pretty impressive on this team. They're all sort of ex Tesla also. And Peter's like, you know, there's a 600 horsepower motors. We could put the 670 horsepower motors in there. And I'm like, stop it. Stop it. You've proven it. You've done it. I'm so thrilled that you guys have shown the world that, that an electric sedan can be the best handling car you could possibly drive maybe except for remotes, right? Um, but I need you to fucking put an SUV in production and get that shit out the door to start make printing money. money. Right, start printing money so that you can show us what you can really do. Because I don't want the Air Sapphire to be a one-off. I can't afford a quarter million dollar luxury sedan, nor do I really want one. But what I do want is imagine like a three motor hot hatch with a total of 600 horsepower that can fucking drive like this there's my new track car forget about the e-golf your everything it's my everything car it would do it all and i want lucid to survive long enough to make me a sixty thousand dollar hot hatch so please but put the fucking pens down and stop with the fast shit the car is literally perfect in dynamics they need to move on to mass market stuff um and i really hope they high profit margin high profit margin stuff because i'm sorry Mercedes engineered like no other. Fuck you. The I mean the that was true in the nineties. Yes, and Mercedes EQS. So it was. We had a great dinner. Actually, it was a bunch of really senior, seasoned journalists at the table. Plus Ben Collins was there. Plus you know CEO was there, and a bunch of great opinionated people. And we all agreed that the top three worst consumer products right now in the automotive space are Mercedes EQS. Uh, not in first place. So th- uh, third place was Volkswagen ID4. Mm. Um, second place was Mercedes EQS. And those who had driven it gave first place to the VinVast. <laughs> um, but the fact that this little startup with a bunch of guys and girls who were just dicking car around, car people who are just dicking around and having a good time can make a car that not only is not on that top list of three, right? When we're with that includes VinFast, but can make a car that so comprehensively shits on every one of the established best players in the business is barely conceivable to me. It is the EQS is not a well executed car. And I, you know, I'm a Mercedes fan and Mercedes is going to listen to this and ban me from all their cars. Mercedes is incredible at making some of the best cars in the world. And that EQS is just not doesn't play to any of their strengths. When you say engineered like a no other, when you say Mercedes-Benz, Lucid's Air does S-Class better than S-Class does. Yes. When you say Porsche, there is no substitute, right? Porsche is the best dynamics of any mass Any segment market. that they're in, they dominate dynamics. For the most part, yeah. Um, and especially the GT cars. This shits so comprehensively on the on the tycon that it's it's just not even fair i mean you have tycon turbo s is the same price as this car it's got twice the fucking interior space 
500x better steering feel. Um, and the Turbo S is spectacular at the limit, but it's just not a good car. It doesn't have any packaging. It doesn't drive. It's not particularly fun in any way. Or it's, it's just not what I want out of a Porsche. Um, then you take Lotus, right? Lotus has the Elettra, that SUV, which, wow, okay, that was really fast and impressed us with a gorgeous interior. But it's not packaged like this. Lotus's DNA is simplify and add lightness. Okay, lightness is dead right now because we're in, we're in a period of time in the automotive industry where lightness doesn't matter because it's just not possible with batteries as they are. But simplify, this car is the same size as a 5 Series on the outside with the, the interior space of an, a 7 Series and more room in the rear trunk than either of those cars, plus then a, a trunk, a frunk, big enough, big enough for me to fit in. It's this, you compare that to a Taycan that has no frunk, no backseat room. You can't get in and out of it. You can't see it like it's got the Lotus thing, the simplify and just add lightness in the way the car feels thing down better than anything Lotus does. So you just start going through the whole, the whole list of like the heavy hitters in the automotive industry and Lucid, this startup with a bunch of lunatics has just outdone all of these heroes. And I am, that's why I almost cried. I'm like, oh my God. This thing is genuinely game-changing. And anyone who says an EV is boring and soulless needs to drive a fucking Sapphire on track. Your mind's blown. There's there, nothing, nothing comes close, except maybe Rimats, another startup. Mm -hmm. Because they're all using torque vectoring and EVs. We are experiencing a seismic shift in yeah. automobiling. Yeah. yeah. The, the All the companies that were startups when the automobile was invented are now the incumbents. They're dinosaurs. And they're acting like it. I mean, even Bosch. Think about the amount of contributions that Bosch has made to all of us. Would we? Would half of us be here if it weren't for Bosch hmm. with ABS and stability control? Think of how many times your ass has been saved by a Bosch invention. Forward collision warning, whatever the fuck it is, right? Um, Bosch's ABS works at maybe 25 hertz. Lucid's works at 1,000 Lucid's so do they use suppliers for anything? No. So the <coughs> the Sapphire is the so the regular air uses Bosch ABS and Bosch traction control. So they do a little bit of traction at the motor, but most of it's done by Bosch, uh, and it's at twenty five hertz. The in house traction and stability control works at a thousand hertz. A thousand. I think we've talked about this before, but a thousand hertz means that each of those three motors, independently of one another, could go from plus six hundred horsepower to minus 600 horsepower and back 500 times a second which would be enough to shatter the drive shaft instantly i mean there's nothing no cv joint is ever going to deal with that it just it would go and explode so they have to it's so fast that they have to actually smooth and sort of dither everything down mm -hmm. um that's bosh what are you doing what are you doing like, what the fuck? You well, they're not used to dealing with powertrains that have that capability, and a gasoline engine can't do that. So nope. why would they engineer something that operates at that level, that level of frequency? Yeah, okay, but look, when did 918, the Porsche 918 Spider get an electric front motor? I mean, yes, okay, historically that right. has been true. Yes, but, but now we're coming up on 10 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah Monolith is 12 years old. Why the fuck is no one caught up to, to this? Right, it's the it's the Rimats and the and the Lucids that are catching up, and the VWs and the and the Mercedes, the two of the best car manufacturers in the history of the world that are getting so left behind, mm -hmm. staggering. And by the way, in terms of the sort of Lotus thing, Sapphire doesn't even have magnetorheological shocks. What? No, it's doesn't got, need them. Doesn't need them. Rides like a dream. Um, ah, maybe that's they, why they never they call mind. It a dream. No. Um, <laughs> No, no, and when I talk to the engineers about that, they're like, no, 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 there's too much friction. The latest generation of MR dampers apparently doesn't doesn't have that, but the seals in the piston, this is how they explained it to me, I'm not a shock guy, but the seals that they need in the piston to contain that uh, MR fluid uh, have to be so thick and robust that it actually adds stiction mm. and kills ride quality. So they just went with a different solution. And so here's a car that doesn't need some of the benefits of MR shocks where you can tighten up one corner and release loose right, another one because to start to rotate the car. You can do that with the powertrain right. instead. And and by the way, torque vectoring, the best way to think of it is a wheelchair. Right? Wheelchair doesn't have a steering wheel. The front wheels can go whatever way they want, but the you're steering the car with the rear wheels. Push forward one on the right, backwards on the left, and you're turning to the left. Um, and this is exactly that same thing. That ability managed... 600 times a second 
mm-hmm. or a thousand, I'm sorry, with 600 horsepower on, at your disposal on either side, managed a thousand times a second plus the same upfront. Nuts. Yeah. Just, it can't. We can't. Physics defying. You're never going to beat that with internal combustion anything. So is this the future of joyful motoring as we head into EVs? Is that this technology makes its way into enthusiast packaged cars instead of uh, luxury form factors? Can you imagine a price factor like GTI? Oh my God. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. That's an exciting prospect. But you have to be a... See, the thing about... Not everyone is a handling person. You don't live in a place where handling matters or you don't have the talent or experience to do that. It took, you know, years of motoring before I sort of reached the point where I really got the handling thing and stopped paying so much attention to the more sort of accessible characteristics of a car, which is just powertrain, right? In a good engine, you don't need any level of skill or experience to appreciate a really magical mm-hmm. engine. And handling does take a little bit of cojones and experience and a good road mm-hmm. where or you track. or track uh, to to extract that value from a car. And so there's mm-hmm. that initial like sort of lightning strike of uh i don't know joy that you get out of a, just a as soon as you start a car and it has a, like a really evocative idol you know in mm-hmm. a big v8 american car like that is going to not exist but it's going to have this other thing that requires you to be a little more dynamic in order to access yeah i think you're right I mean, do i think any ev is going to take the place of some of the world's best magnificent internal combustion engine manual transmission cars no it's just it's a different game yes right? but there's a, there is something joyful to behold in the future that exists as I mean, opposed to just yeah. this sort of like ah fuck it we're yeah, all done future future isn't gonna suck i mean again 1.98 second on fucking at a stop sign to 60 with a passenger and ac and all that i mean this is that's the best time that anyone recorded in tesla on a, on a model s plaid on a prepped surface these things were doing 1.8 to 60 on a prep surface that's just nuts 8.9 something in the quarter mile on a prep surface F- nine flat on on the road like this is just insanely fast and to combine that with the the handling ability that it does is just that's never something we've not seen before maybe outside of remounts which you and i haven't driven on track um but it you know in the real world are they as, as entertaining no nothing nothing is going to be as entertaining but what you're looking for below the handling limit is a connection to the road Right? Mm-hmm. That's why we've bitched ever since, you know, the year of the flood about the death of hydro steering is because you're missing that intimate connection with what the front wheels are doing. Um, and at, at least Lucid is one of the companies that's concentrating on that driving experience, not the Nürburgring. They haven't talked about Nürburgring lap time, although I can't imagine anything is any sedan is going to keep up with that thing. Um, you know, they're they're not really the the sort of drag race portion of the of the our driving experience was like here you go okay you did a 9.03 you did a 9.02 you did an 8.95 goodbye next now let's really go drive the thing because the straight line speed becomes a one trick pony obviously sure, and this yeah. car is not um so you know they are concerned with how things feel and what the ride quality is really like in different circumstances and i think that's important because we're at the end of where it's Sooner will matter when if the cars are driving themselves, limit handling is going to become irrelevant. We've talked about this. You know, you don't want your you don't want your Uber to be limit handling you to the airport. Well, I'm interested to see AI or, or uh, the the autonomous cars doing that though. I feel like it could be pretty entertaining. Drifting stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> Against each other, mm-hmm. sort of interacting with each other. Yeah. That should I mean, be, be fun. It'd be amusing. It's, well, we should invent a new holiday: National Drift Day, where all the autonomous cars just can be sideways on the roads everywhere. It's like watching go. a horse race a little yeah. bit, or no, it's but, like watching a dog race because there's no jockey. That's true. That'd be that'd be fun to watch, or just the one day a year. Like you know, if you take your Uber today, it's going to be limit. Like no <laughs> no speed limits apply. They just drive as fast as they possibly can, as fast as the AI will let them. Uh, not crash i'm awesome. interested to see that because that's that's never what you see the uh, autonomous vehicles doing it's never about speed from here to there yeah it'd be awesome if it was it'd be so awesome I mean, can you imagine that's one of the look one of the real benefits of autonomous driving is we should not have speed limits for all that much longer hmm. like there's no reason an autonomous car should have a speed limit yeah but the humans should humans should yeah okay trained humans shouldn't yes. well germany but Yes. Yeah, like I, I just did that I five slog down from from L A to San Francisco again. It's just four hundred miles of fucking misery. Misery, I freaking hate and then, that drive. You know, drive. it's just 
everyone is in the wrong goddamn lane. And it's only a two nothing. lane road and there's a whole bunch of trucks, which yeah. like cause miles long situations where there's one motherfucker in the left lane going two miles an hour faster than a truck. Two? Zero point two. <laughs> yeah. It takes them a half an hour to complete a fucking pass. Yeah. And then when they finally do, there's some schmuck in a Prius going 0.02 miles an hour faster than that. And so you can't get past them for another fucking half a mile. It's maddening. Yeah. And I just keep thinking, this is all the failure of no driver training and incompetent, inattentive boobs at the wheel. Yep. Um, oh, that is true. Yeah. So give me, give me a car that can do fucking 180 miles an hour on that road in a convoy with six other cars. And I'm not taking a nap. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Handling is a very misunderstood thing because, you know, I used to, as a kid, when I used to read Car and Driver from start to finish, it was, you know, let me look at the skid pad number. Okay, that's one number, but I've driven plenty of cars that are able to grip well, but handle like shit. And vice versa. And vice that versa. don't have much grip, but just every the way they behave at their low limit is just like... Alpha 105. Yeah. For example. My so, Giulietta was like that, yeah. even though it's from the late 50s and... It got a little bit of demerit points because it had no brakes because they were drums. They're they not worked. no brakes. They the harder you push, the more you slow down. It has brakes. People okay. reveled in period also at how good the brakes were in that car. Okay, in that period, yeah. But I mean, I think also braking the ability to brake easily and modulate your brakes and have them not overheat is also part of this whole. Well, they don't thing. overheat. They just don't have much ultimate Capacity. retardation right. ability. Um, all right, what's your what's the best handling car in your opinion? I don't know. I mean, I, uh, this is, it comes back to definitions. I, I find it difficult to argue with 911s because they have so much flexibility. There are so many different ways to drive that car, which means that if you want to engineer as the driver, some outcome, there is a reasonable chance you could do it. You know, the car can be made to be neutral it can be made to understeer it can obviously be made to oversteer which is what everyone always talks about and so i like the fact that there that car gives you a lot of arrows in your quiver for how you can get mm -hmm. from here to there in in what attitude mm -hmm. you know cars that aren't that won't do anything other than you know understeer or whatever like obviously that is a big demerit so i think mm -hmm. for me personally i'm also very comfortable in those cars, 911 is is a strong contender just because you have so many options, and the throttle does so much too. Right, I, I would agree with you, and I'd say I I I don't think all 911s are created equal. Of However, yeah. the, if you understand that we've talked about, that, I've joked about this before that 911's handling book has you know 15 appendices and it's 1,200 page six volumes of rules, but all of those things that it asks of you if you understand its language it will do anything you want it to do yep. nearly yes when it bites you it it can bite you pretty hard but the new stuff isn't that way so yeah. like you know this is why professionals racers like are so unstoppable in those cars not only do you have all of these sort of options for how you can drive the car but they're also durable and well engineered and right. intended to survive for yeah. 24 hours you know flat out or nearly yep. flat out yeah and I see front wheel drive, front engine front wheel drive cars are at this sort of other. Um, yeah. You're, the There's a lot of, of tools, not available. Right. As, or actually even worse, fixed all wheel drive system cars like Audis mm -hmm. um, tend to be even worse because there's nothing you can do. The car's just going to do what it wants. You have no tricks in your arsenal. Um, then become front wheel drive, then front engine, rear drive. Mid engine cars can really be all over the place. Yeah, quite variable. Um, and that, that um, sudden departure thing. Mid engine cars don't, yeah, they don't like to slide in a lot of cases, and yeah. so and also typically as they warm up, they they'll go from being neutral to understeery as the front tires get hot, and they're just not. I found that no, I don't think I've ever found a mid-engine car that's as consistent lap after lap after lap after a 911 is because I think of where the where the weight is on the 911. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would have to say that like 911 GT cars are about as as perfect as it could get. A lot of GM stuff is really close. Yeah, uh, a lot I, of Ferrari stuff is really close. Computer controlled, you don't notice it. Mm -hmm. Turn it all off, and the car is unmanageable. Um, but straight out of the box, it's gonna be it's gonna be a nine eleven. So um, interesting experience. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, to tears. I am super interested to try one, and I'm super interested for them to prosper, for Lucid to prosper, and produce a whole bunch of other products that eventually end up with uh, some device for the enthusiast. Mm -hmm. That's 
you know, in reach, which today in this day and age means under a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Either that or the whole team just gets hired by BMW, fixes that company from start to BMW finish. BMW is so bass backwards, they would never have the vision to do that. I hope every it's chassis a- engineer from that fucking company drives a sapphire and realizes that they could have been there. They should have been there and they should have done this first. Porsche too. I mean Porsche, you know, I can't I, I can't complain about the Tycon's handling, but sorry. Different league. Mm-hmm. yeah interesting interesting times to be an enthusiast for sure much to the i don't know disagreement of all the people who are like i will never ev just okay fine i get it they've never driven one that's yeah, i mean that's a good a, one especially good one. yeah and i i mean i i'd begrudgingly find myself liking them as a 94 year old obviously yeah it's i mean you can't come away i'm very curious to read the reviews from the other journalists who driven that car um but i was just I'm sorry. There's just Gobsmacked. no contest. There's just, this is the next chapter of vehicle dynamics and Remax. We should talk to Remax to Remax and see if we can get a, uh, a track test of that car. But has anyone done that? Have you seen anyone do like a real handling? I mean, we've certainly know? seen Chris Harris going sideways in places yeah. in one. But that's just going sideways. Can you not go sideways? Can you go sideways one degree, two degrees, five degrees, ten I degrees? I bet you can. And then will the car let you fuck up, or fix your fuck up without ever biting you? Like that's that's where that the tuning on the Sapphire was so cool. Was it just never bit? Mm-hmm. Like if you asked it, it's going to do it. But if you fucked up and it knows you asked for something that you didn't want, you have 50 new ways to correct it, mm-hmm. um, which is not normal. Um, I'm, very, I'm very excited. I don't want a 5,500 pound track car but my god i would have tracked that car until the end of time so be a fun thing to show up at a track day with yeah or not across yeah interesting hmm. <laughs> hey, you need a long-term <laughs> test yeah i'll take a to do to do that versus the miata it's just Cherokee. one the miata versus the lucid and just do everything you would ever do as an enthusiast with the miata but do it with the lucid instead yeah including spec racing. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. The tire bill. Think of the tire bill. Uh, uh, hello, Lucid and Michelin. Michelin. <laughs> okay. That is my um, rant on handling for, for this, the 119th episode of the Carmugian Show. Thank um, you for joining us. We will see you at some future date or not see you if you are listening. Since a lot of our people are listeners instead of watchers. Well, then they can't see the stupid faces I'm making. And they probably don't realize that I'm looking very concerned because we were probably supposed to have talked about our Saco car mm-hmm. show. We didn't announce a location for we it. We haven't found a location for it. We we'll do that one. on social media. Sorry. Yes. We're procrastinators. Oopsies. Yeah. I'm going to continue to sink into this chair. Okay. Bye. Do you want me to join you in solidarity? <laughs> we <are> fine. <laughs> Mom. Mom.